Every day we hoistle in at Pilots and Pictards Podcast. Welcome back, hoisters. This is the extended discussion. If you want a spoiler-free evaluation of the pilot episode, Nothing in This World is Easy for the series Russian Doll, look for our previous episode in your podcast app or on our website. We are going to go heavy on the spoilers we are going to dive into some of these questions that we have about what the hell is going on in this series and then we'll dangle some threads we'll have a very short petard trivia and we'll wrap it up this is drew i'm the pragmatic and bleeding heart psychops of this podcast i'm jimbo the anti-millennial non-conforming existentialist pilot critic and kenya the podcast And I'm the magically undefeated Miss Mo, master of spoilers and lover of Nobos. And this is the podcast with nothing much ado about aircrafts and potentially everything to do with the first episode of a filmic series. We talk about TV pilots. A word in the title, petard, is a word. It's a real word. And petards are bombs. And we'd like to thank today's sponsor, Public Libraries, for this ad-free listening. Yep, and here's a real quick fuck you to Crooked Media for your crooked piece of shit ads. And um, we're, we're keeping things brisk this episode, so fuck you, Bill Maher. You know what you did. Contact us to sponsor a show or slander a rival. And if you enjoyed today's ad-free entertainment, you owe us. We could stack never-ending crooked ads. We could create sob stories as to why we need your hard-earned money, but we don't. Repay your debt by leaving us an iTunes review or rating or tell someone else about our podcast or listen to more episodes. And you can go to our Facebook group or our website to continue or join in on any or all the conversations. We want to interact. We want that type of community. Or at least I do. I do too. Don't assume. Mo Mo doesn't care. But Drew and I. Mo doesn't care. (laughs) Hey, I like building community. Part two, Hoisters. We're going to move into our filmic analysis. We're going to dive a little deeper into some of those things we talked about. We are going to go heavy on the spoilers. We are going to dive into... Cool. So the first thing we got is the Crabman Award. And the Crabman Award goes to a character with a small role, but large contributions to the pilot. I have an idea for my Crabman Award. Okay, actually, I need to in- interrupt you, Drew. Get in there. So our buddies at the Punisher Body Count, they did a review of season two of the Punisher, and they gave out a few Crabman Awards. Oh. And they called them Crabman Awards. I love Awards. that. So oh. shout out to, to Jacob Williams and Dane. Yep, before we start, guys, let's give them some crab noises and appreciation. I just didn't even think of a crab man, so persuade me. So, Jimbo, I like the door knocker from the very first scene. Again, we're establishing Nadia's character. And, um, you know, she's just content. She's just content to let that person knock, knock, knock away. We're also learning a lot about this door knocker. Like, that is an insistent knock. Like, there will be a social confrontation at that door being opened and the knocker doesn't care. So I think we're getting a little bit about this party, a little bit about the knocker and a lot about Nadia. I like the original door knocker. And the, the, the bathroom is an interesting place at this party as well. Mm-hmm. And the door, they keep talking about the door. The door is really awesome. It is a, what do you call phallic symbols for women? Vaginal. It's a, it's a geode vagina. Yeah. Vag- a vagilic symbol that can't be right at all it has to be a vagilic sil- uh, symbol that has to be it if it's not it is now you tell me tell me your crab man mo 
Sorry, I just tried to Google opposite of phallic. <laughs> I know, I'm doing it too. I don't, the female equivalent to the word so phallic yonic? is yonic. Yonic. You can't just add vag to the <laughs> beginning of words and make them female, Jimbo. I think you can for, for some things, like phallic symbols. No, not for this, because Google says you're wrong. And by the way, the link to the Google goes to Reddit, so that means that you doubly believe it, Jimbo. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, well, yeah, the door is pretty cool. And if that could be a crab man, it would, but it can't. It can't. Um, oh, Jimbo hates I, that I like I like your um, crab crab knocker award because that was it set the vibe and it was really annoying. And who hasn't been in the bathroom with some annoying bitch like knocking on the door? Maybe this is a girls' restroom thing, or yeah, like, maybe it's a party it? restroom thing. But and it's her birthday party, so it's like if I was doing if I was that person knocking, and then the birthday girl came out, I would feel awkward. Because I bet you she didn't even know her. Well, I also like how later in the episode, too, um, when her ex-boyfriend is in the bathroom with her, she's like, if you're not done in five minutes, I'll tell everyone yeah, to wait longer. 20 minutes, she said even. Yeah, she did say 20 <laughs> minutes. Nice, nice. Oh, I was going to throw one out there. Just why not? Oh, go ahead. The scene when she's in the bodega and there's a guy who maybe spilled something or barfed. Knocked or soups. I don't know what he did, but... I liked that scene because it w- it f- it felt like there might be an answer there later that'll be unfolded. He kind of disappeared and I don't know, it just felt very mysterious and it added to the the magic and also the the believability of it. And I just love bodegas. Okay, well, ready for a spoiler mo? <gasps> no. Do I want is it going to really ruin it? Is it deep? Your crab man award is related to the reason I hate episode four. Oh, oh I'm going to win. The door knocker wins. <laughs> yes. It, does he become Fuck a romantic yeah. interest? I mean, if you want, I'll spoil it. Is it going to spoil everything in between episode one and episode five? No, it's not. Okay. I, I don't think it is. Okay, whatever. Just tell me. Okay, homeboy is dying just like her. <gasps> oh. So oh, they're in some weird like cool. dimension. Episode four is all about him. Oh, uh, okay. and his and his like huh. Groundhog Day. Yep. Okay. Wow. I had a, I kind of had a feeling because why were they in the same place? Um, I haven't watched the episode after yeah. that yet. Okay, so this is some sort of purgatory situation. There's some layers on of stuff going on. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I'm interested. Okay. So let's so let's give let's give the Crab Man Award to the Crab Knocker because Homeboy yeah. comes back. Okay. All right, so by default, (laughs) the winner this week of the Crab Knocker Award is the Door Knocker. Bold knocking. All right, so MVP is going to be our most valuable part of the pilot. It could be anything on or off screen. And I already mentioned my earlier, the, the dialogue was my MVP, and we already talked about it. I don't think we need to necessarily break it down. So No, I'll just say that like, the circular nature of the time loop and the way that Leon's character like interacts with it speaks to more than just though the um, the dialogue has been the like really incisive writing. Like there's a lot of really great scenes, and again, like she's doing great acting, but the small details and the way she reacts to it too is like great writing and great directing that goes beyond the dialogue. So I would also um, shout that out. Those are really two great MVPs. I can't think of a new one except just the aesthetic of it all, the lighting and the 
the costume or like the outfits like i mentioned earlier mo it's kind of tripped me out i I thought it was satire i thought it was like the exaggeration of like the cool people in the party you never go to and fuck it i'm just not cool mo is cool if you're wondering who the coolest member of this podcast is mo went to those parties why show up in like all black or maybe like a colorful shirt but people like wear that shit seriously mo not only did you get into those parties that i've never even heard of you (laughs) shit on them because you're cooler than that yeah, I wasn't invited to those parties. Mo didn't invite me to those parties. I mean, I think I was barely invited, but I just, you know, walked in. <laughs> Even cooler. <laughs> <laughs> Mo, you're, Mo, you're just knocking on bathroom doors. Drew's MVP also kind of relates back to what I was saying in High Points with the just really efficient. Her first death goes by quick and they get to it and they still have time for her to die twice more. So she dies three times. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, we get the point. We, we understand what's going on. That, that I guess that's that's our, our one punch man effect. Wait, the second time, the second time she drowns, two times. She does, she does the, party the party three, three times. times. Yeah. But yeah. the episode ends with her um, leaving the party, right? She wanders off and she doesn't actually die in the fir- at the end of the first episode. The homeless guy was all, would have been a good crab man, too. Does he come back? The homeless guy is kind of there as well. He's not he's not playing a big role, but but he keeps popping around. He keeps popping up. He might be dying too, huh? I was so freaked out when she was picking up her cat in the park alone at night. The homeless guy was going to come up and just stab her or like do awful things to her. And I was just like, that was one of the maybe Man, that talk was about was a negative stereotype for the best people. No, I mean, we didn't have to be the homeless guy. I just thought it was going to be someone like. <laughs> stabbing her from behind and doing horrific things in the park because like she just died (laughs) no me too i thought i was like i was like okay now this iteration like her death is gonna be by murder (laughs) i know i was like don't go out at night what are you doing well that's well that's the funny thing is is her deaths are kind of well they're kind of her fault and they're all chasing the cat it has to do with the cat yeah you know our next section is the literary analysis we're gonna dive into the plot characters maybe the conflict. And so let's, let's just continue with what we're kind of getting into. Jimbo, wait, real quick. You've watched more episodes. I want Mo and I to both lay out our theory of what's happening. You can confirm, deny, or I actually, you know, just comment how you wish. If if you wish. Mo, what do you think is happening? Well, clearly she's dead or dying or like in a coma in some kind of, another level dimension situation where this can happen you're kind of being ambiguous mo you're kind of like no, no, throwing no, like so, three no, theories no. out i can us. i can clarify this so mo you think she's in a mental state yeah i like i first i thought she might have been dreaming or i first i thought it might have been like you know at the end it's going to be like she woke up from something or an experience of psychedelic something like that um so that yeah, mental state. Drew, what's yours? I think that she's dying slowly on the windshield of the car, and that when we zoom in on her eye, um, she's reliving this party in this moment over and over again because she's about to die. Okay, so you think she's still in a physical state, but like on the way out? Yes, I think she's moments from death, and I think she's in the moments right after she got hit. You think this is like her life flashing before her eyes, kind of? Yeah, or like whatever, like they are interpreting as or whatever she's, or like yeah. her, like forever reliving this, leading up to this moment, but not being able to escape death. Like that's my thing. I think she's dying the first time, and then her own mind is replaying it, but she can't escape death. 
I think for the pilot, I like a literal interpretation of the pilot of just the fact that she's dying and waking back up. Now, I know that doesn't make sense in our sense of reality, but I think just for the pilot like that, that's a good way to view the pilot. Now, I don't really know what's going on yet. I, as I already mentioned, we do learn that another character is experiencing the same thing as her. I have a different interpretation that I shared with you guys off mic. I think she might be in hell or maybe she's in purgatory or something. So, so I'm kind of with Mo. I think she's in like a mental state and this, this repetition is maybe either casting judgment or punishment because she's not really a good person. See, that's why I kind of pushed back. Well, why, why do you think she's not a good person? I mean, I'm I'm not saying she's a bad person, but she doesn't seem to be very empathetic towards other people. She's not nice to other people. And I mean, not to, you know, not to judge people that do lots of drugs, Mo, but, um, you know, she does lots of drugs and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um. I I would push back on the idea of her not being a quote unquote good person just because she's not outwardly kind to people. She's hardworking. She's respectful of her sexual partners, and she has genuine interest in people who serve her. Which sometimes people are shitty about, like service workers, and that's an indication of them being shitty people. Yeah, I w- I would agree with that. She's not shitty to the to the clerk at the store. I think that whatever mental state she's in. I still think there's a window of opportunity that she can. Oh, I don't think so. I think the show ends with her being dead, closing the loop, which means that she dies. That's my prediction for the whole show. Maybe I, maybe we have to watch this now so we can reflect on this conversation. But I mean, there's, yeah, I don't know. I think if there was there, there was some type of comment in in the show. Her friend and she she said something like like I'm dead or or I or I just died, and then the girl that her friend was with was like, "Haven't we all?" Like we're all dead. You could always interpret that. Like, like, aren't we all dead? I mean, are, are any of us going to escape death? I have another possible interpretation, and it's kind of relying on Eastern philosophy and religion, kind of the Indian religions, where they think that you know you're you're reborn and you're always reborn until you reach nirvana. Maybe she's stuck in this loop until she reaches nirvana. I think. I think that's that's my prediction for the ending, kind of like the um, Bill Murray Groundhog Day. Like you're stuck in this loop until you figure it out. Well, that's why I didn't like the comparison with Groundhog Day because I felt like Groundhog Day was like so contained and like such a simple conundrum or like such a simple problem that like you barely had to explain it to the audience. Whereas like I feel like Russian Doll has a much more complicated relationship with like storytelling, repetition, and death and finality. So I mean. I think that Groundhog's Day or Groundhog Day is impressive in and of itself because of it, both its simplicity and its depth. Whereas I think Russian Doll is just getting more complicated, which I dig. Like I don't think Russian Doll is as simple as Groundhog Day, but I don't think simplicity is a knock on Groundhog Day. I, I would definitely agree with both those points. I mean, Groundhog's Day is a romantic comedy, but it's obviously much more than a romantic comedy. And this is, and this is not a sitcom. I mean, it's, the format is like a sitcom, but I would not consider this a sitcom. It it's like it's like an efficient drama. It's I kind of like it. Like like I like that setup. Like you don't need to give me an hour. Like I'm cool with twenty or thirty minutes. It's like a it's like a mini series. Yeah, 
I, that's probably maybe that's why I like it. It's more like a British television. <laughs> it's like a movie split into twenty-minute segments. Jimbo, Mo, and I will get you into some twelve-minute Steven Universe episodes. Okay. Oh my god, I love it. I love Steven Universe. I'm on episode thirty-five. Uh, I don't right, know well, which one I'm on. Until we start the Steven Universe podcast, we'll uh, save that. Is do we have anything else for the literary analysis before we move on? I feel like we're in a prediction place. And so I don't think it's going to end up being a reincarnation, but it's an interesting side note. No, no, no. I was talking about like the way you get out of the cycle of reincarnation is through Nirvana. Do you think there's any symbolism in the, the fact that they're in a, oh, a previous yeshiva school? Yeah. It comes oh. up multiple times. Like she, she kind of, she kind of keeps coming back to that. I think to her, there's meaning in that. Or maybe, oh my god, I just thought of something. Okay. Because she, she's a software engineer and she writes video games. Maybe oh. this is a virtual reality. Uh, Damn, you think she's in the Matrix? Holy crap. Right? Okay. That could be it. Oh. Yeah. And she's in her own game. Like, she designed this game as a way for people to, like, confront death or something. Oh, Mo, what if you're right? That's original. Or I she like that. uploaded her consciousness into her computer and she made an error in the code. Maybe. Ew. And she can't get out. Oh, she's glitching. She's glitching, she's glitching. dude. I oh, like wow. that. Oh, that's that's really good. That's I mean, my my ending was like like my ending prediction was Groundhog Day prediction. So <laughs> yours is way better than mine. Like there's no way yeah, they're gonna end this one. like Groundhog's Day. <laughs> I mean there's a re right, there's like a reason for it. And then I thought I just am thinking of the scene when she was coding and it was like a person. She was coding a, a game with a peep person in it. It's true. That's way better. All right. Oh, let's move on. Not going to beat that. I like that, Mo. This is actually kind of timely because I was finishing up the philosophy units with the kids I have at school and like the philosophy class. And we talked about the cave and the perception of ignorance. Um, do you think that like Plato's cave, because that's, that's the whole matrix, like the red pill is getting you out of the shelf ignorance. Do you think that that's where we're being led to? That is Nadia going to emerge from her own cave of mortality? So, so that actually ties back into one of my literary analysis ideas was that is everyone like in, in this world, is that how everyone is like, is everyone repeating their death at some point? So in that case, yeah. Is she, is she like the savior figure? Is she, is she the Neo? Is she the chosen one? Like everyone at the party is dying. Yeah. Like it was literal when that girl said, like everyone's stuck in something that's not reality. But she kind of does that. She does try and talk to them. Like she's telling um, the younger woman that who's making the chicken that she's already dead and that we're already dead. So, I mean, she tries to explain it and it doesn't go well. And in, you know, the allegory of the cave, the prisoner who's left can never explain what it's like outside to the people still inside. Yeah, they actually get mad at him and want to kill him. So, yeah, maybe maybe uh, Nadia is leaving the cave. All right, so now we're going to move into part three. We're going to step outside of the pilot episode. We're going to talk about themes or anything related to the show that we think is worth talking about. To the stage. So our next segment is the Stormy Daniels dangling threads of interest. We do have a Stormy update this week. Michael Cohen, uh, former lawyer for President Trump, uh, was testifying before a House committee this past week. He produced a check, which he said was a partial reimbursement for President Trump's hush money for his affair with Stormy Daniels. I believe it was 
days after Melania Trump gave birth to Barron. And uh, Stormy Daniels tweeted a thank you to Michael Cohen. So Stormy reaching out and showing that appreciation. Uh, so yeah, there's your Stormy update. Should we dangle more on this VR world? Yeah, I was listening to something like this morning on a podcast about Silicon Valley's influence on like with the government and how they create weapons. But that's a little bit div. That's a little bit too far of a dangle. But just maybe technology and VR and yeah, how how long until we can plug into a virtual reality and get fed through a tube? And, and be immortal. Life. And be immortal, though. Your consciousness could technically like be immortal. I feel like you now. I feel like you can get fed by a tube now. Like, I feel like if you were rich enough, you could do that. Because, like, Where? they have those VR boxes. I don't think they're good enough yet, man. Those VR boxes will let you watch basketball games. Like, like your courtside. Okay, VR that's, games that's just like stuff. watching TV through a tube. What do you want? You're saying, like, experience? experiencing, like, full-blown life. I'm saying plugged in to a computer to a computer world where you're living inside the computer and getting your nutrients through a medical device. I think that would happen Mm. in like at a time where we can't grow food anymore. When we can't grow food anymore. Then maybe our lifetime. Yes. If we can't grow food anymore, then that's probably going to be like life for the elite. And then everyone else will just starve and die or eat each other. Well, I mean, you have to have the technology for it. So, but yeah, there's yeah. Well yeah. I mean, we have like people can eat with IV tubes and shit. I mean, they can survive with some tubes for a long time. But the, so, I mean, but the virtual piece of They're usually like um in a vegetative state. I think the virtual piece is closer than we may know. Mark Zuckerberg might be doing some really cool shit at his house every night. There's a uh TED talk I listened to about a gentleman that's colorblind and he's got he's got something installed in, into physically installed into his brain he experiences colors as sound so for him like orange is like an a note and he even switched it so he can hear ultraviolet so he can like he can hear sound that'll let him know that like it's way too hot out or i mean the 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 sun rays are so bad he needs like sunscreen <laughs> so i mean like there's definitely aspects of being a cyborg that are very much here right now and even even there's some there's things where people are able to create things like like light for for blind people. They're not quite images that, that we would consider. So we're probably close, closer than maybe we know. But then it's also the social acceptance of, or des- even a desire. I mean, I wouldn't want to live like that. What if you couldn't tell? <laughs> I guess, but then would you eat fake food? Like, what if you only had to save up a thousand dollars, and and you could and you could be inserted into the computer, and you could live the rest of your life in a computer, and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference, and you could have some control over maybe your your starting point or but something. That's crazy. I just feel like that would be an inauthentic life. Oh, Mo, I bet you people from five hundred years ago who would look at us may think that our yes social media inauthentic smartphone. Nintendo Switch Socrates on the subway. Socrates was afraid of writing. Socrates thought writing was going to be like the end of human memory. Like people wouldn't be able to do anything because of writing. He was wrong. <laughs> it, was he wrong? Yes. Dude, collaborative learning. Like writing's probably one of the most important reasons why we have every single advancement we, we have. Might also be the downfall of civilization. It led us to this point. I guess. 
it might also be the reason why we explore space and conquer other other planets and solar systems. One of us will probably turn out to be right. Um, I I like <laughs> Mo's idea that you might want to be inserted into the virtual world because like the alternative might be shitty and like that's me being pessimistic about the environment and. That's the only case I can think of where I personally would want to be living in the Matrix. I mean, according according to that government study from last year, 2042 is like the cutoff line where like irreparable damage will be done and permanent climate change will occur. I don't think so, man. What's your source again? The entirety of like the collective information of no, the environmental it is not, sciences. Dude. Yes, it is, dude. It's the EPA. No, the EPA is kind of a scam a little bit. What? Share the source. Let's put it in the petardar. I feel like the e- someone high up in the EPA is appointed by the president. Yeah, it's a governmental agency. But I'm saying our president probably appointed someone. Yeah, dude, I know. But like the thing still said that like humans are causing climate change. It doesn't matter who he appointed. It was still a massive indictment of like the policies of the Trump administration and the United States in general. The world's going to end in 2040, dude. That's, that's not what I. That's not what I things. said. It said that's what kind this, of what you said. Irreparable no, climate says, change. Okay. Irreversible climate change. That's what I understood. That's what you said. Yes. You referenced the end of the world like 10 minutes ago as well. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I don't personally <laughs> think that humans are going to go conquer a universe next to us. Not with that attitude. Let's see. So the authors found that greenhouse emissions continue at the current rate. The atmosphere will warm up by as much as 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit above pre-industrial levels by 2040, inundating coastlines and intensifying droughts and poverty. Previous work had focused on estimating the damage of average temperatures would rise by a larger number, 3.6 degrees, because that was the threshold scientists previously considered for the most severe effects of climate change. Okay, that's, yeah, that's not the end of the world, man. I mean, it's it's a fundamental shift in the way that humans will live for the next couple of millennia based on, like, decisions that were made in the last hundred years. Yes, I, I agree, but it's not the end of civilization. It's not, but I guess we, we should check our own privilege because we live in somewhere with good infrastructure, but a lot of the places that face the greatest consequences of climate change are places that are uh, underdeveloped and can't and don't have... Like Haiti? Yeah, they don't have the infrastructure to fight off all of these crazy things and that's it's not a coincidence that poor people live in the most dangerous parts and the most reactive parts of the globe like half of bangladesh is gone because of flooding because of climate change things like that uh yeah this one says the united states along with bangladesh china egypt india indonesia japan the philippines and vietnam are home to 50 million people who will be exposed to the effects of increased coastal flooding by 2040 if 2.7 degrees of warming occur so we won't yeah, be affected. I mean, there's but... always unintended consequences. There's all, I mean, there's there's so <laughs> much. I mean, these these predictions I think are valid as far as making policy changes, but there's so many things that are going to happen between now and then that. It, it will, yeah, there's other ways we can end off ourselves too. Like, it's true. <laughs> Listeners, I'm I'm not suggesting that that humans cannot affect climate change they certainly can and i'm not saying that climate change is not a serious issue i'm saying it's not the end of the world in 2042 like drew is trying to make Jimbo's us believe just being he's... optimistic for the first time ever on this podcast <laughs> i'm not being optimistic i'm being realistic <laughs> okay i mean that's, right. a, that's a glass half full perspective i'm just saying so we have dangled yeah. yes we have that, that that was a fun dangling thread oh and mo you save that dangling thread because if you hadn't thought of that matrix literary analysis we probably would have just... It just came to me. I just rain-manned me. 
Okay, Jimbo, what's section four? All right, section four is our fun and nonsensical part. We are going to keep this extremely brief. We're, we're probably going to mostly make sense. And so we'll do a one-question petard trivia. We have the undefeated in her own mind, the magical motherfucking Miss Mo. I'm in my own groundhog day. Her buzz day. is going to go like this. <clears throat> and we have the on-and-off-again champion, number one contender, the pragmatic Cyclops, Drew. His buzzer is going to go like this. Three-time champion. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> let's let's make this uh, one question that I haven't even prepared yet. <laughs> Google something real quick. And the closest answer to my recollection will get the point. <laughs> uh-huh. Cool. Mike caught that. That's the sound of a facepalm. How many times is Nadia going to die in episode two? <laughs> Mo. I'm going to say one. Three times well, that champion. Makes Drew's answer very easy, Drew. <laughs> you know, I'm not. I'm not pulling a Jimbo prices right here. I'm going to say not. six because okay. I think there might be a death montage. From my recollection, I could be mixing up episodes two and three, but I think there was a death montage, and I think it was it was probably more like seven oh, or eight. Man. So I'm going to give Drew oh. that point. Four time champion. Hoisters, I. Um, you can go ahead and fact check this. I, I came up with that on the spot. And sorry, Mo, but until next week, you will not remain undefeated in your own mind. This this, this is a memorable victory, too. We can point to this one. Mo, Mo is like Nadia. Every single week, she relives her first defeat. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Mo, we'll, we'll, add, we'll add another appendage to your name and be like the Nadia of the podcast. <laughs> The Nadia of the podcast. All right. And so next week, uh, we don't know what we're doing next week. A- anything new? Okay. So next week, we're, we'll probably do like a throwback, some, something popular and old, or we'll do something fresh and new. Have you watched the Game of Thrones trailer? I'm sorry. The new Game of Thrones trailer? Yes, of course I watched it. Oh, no. Come on, man. We're moving on. All right. So uh, plugs. Intro, outro music was mixed by Jake Drew. coming. <laughs> and... Click on the link to Jake Drew. You can uh, check out his music. You can also get him to make you some intro-outro music. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram. Join our Facebook group. Let's continue those discussions. And like I, we've mentioned so many times before, give us a iTunes rating or review. If you've listened this long, you owe us. Go, go do the right thing and give us that rating. 30 seconds of Shop Talk to keep it under 60 minutes. Ah! Mo, that looks like a comfortable blanket. And yes, I saw a season eight trailer. Oh I'm so fucking psyched. So I'm going to buy multiple bath bombs. Ugh. Yeah. I also read the BuzzFeed article that broke the whole thing down. Apparently, Arya is running around with dragon glass spears. Yes. Oh, I've seen, I've seen death. Is that what she says? I yes. know it. Death. I fight for the yes. living, Mo. I fight oh. for the living. Jimbo, you're, you're really missing out. Oh, yeah. I, I can tell. And in the days of Jimbo's life, I started teaching I, I was telling drew off mic my fifth period 11th graders is like dangerous minds like like these <laughs> these kids are are out of control out of control you know, teams um well yeah there there was there was a fist fight during a test not not when i was there but a few weeks ago there was a fist fight during, during one of the tests and these the you know, yeah and like and like these two guys you know they're like six foot probably like 180 oh, pound young men and they just 
and then every like every other word from like half the class is like in bombs and f bombs and oh man i'm just sitting there like how do i get these kids <laughs> shut up so i can teach them something <laughs> well jimbo if dangerous minds is any lesson to us you need a cool leather jacket and beautiful blonde hair mm, mm. you can buy both of those yeah i could dye my hair it won't be as beautiful though yeah good good point Mo, you have any teaching advice for Jimbo? Man, I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah, get a perm or something. <laughs> They'll respect the perm, man. The uh, most disruptive boy, He's, I guess he's their alpha male. He's like superstar athlete. Really kind of intimidating dude. He's big. He's, he's, he's built well. And uh, so I, I actually bet him 100 push-ups that he couldn't go the rest of the year without cussing. And he actually went like the last like – 30 or 40 minutes of class. He was sleeping most of it. Oh my God. He might be spiteful enough to win that bet. So I, you know, I'm really hoping that, you know, that I won him over at least step one. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, establish dominance over the alpha male and the, <laughs> and the betas will follow. Jimbo, can you do a hundred pushups? Not without rest. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I can I've, do like maybe I've done a hundred pushups straight once in my life. And it was probably a couple weeks after boot camp. Wow. That's imp- at least you can say you did it once. Yeah, it, it wasn't fun. That would take me a week. <laughs> I do it in one day, man. You, you I do mean, it I could do like we 10. did a we did a review game where like the kids. I said this one table, like when they pulled this one card, everyone had to get up and do ten push up or do three push ups in ten seconds. And this one girl was just like, "I'm not doing this." And the other kids in the, her review game group were so fucking bitter. And I really liked the girl who refused to do it. And I felt bad. I was like, come on. <laughs> but I was like, I can't play favorites, but dang. Well, good luck with that, Jimbo. That sounds, um, you know, like it could potentially be very rewarding. But you're going to have to really get in tune with the culture. It's 11th and 12th graders. You know, I think I mentioned that. So, like, a lot of these kids, they're about to graduate in four months. They don't yeah. give a shit. So, but they do want to graduate. So, they will, they will do what they need to. The 11th graders... You know, there's a little more. I think some of them haven't quite figured it out yet. Believe it or not, Jimbo, you leverage that apathy. <laughs> <laughs> Use it against them. So you think you don't care? I don't care. <laughs> you want to know who's spiteful, motherfucker? I am. Okay, you ain't graduated. <laughs> We're having a test tomorrow. It's worth a thousand points. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth 200% of your grade. Yeah, it's right. <laughs> There's no coming back from this. I dare you not to read that book tonight. <laughs> That's funny. All right, well, on that note, I think I'm good. Yeah. All right. You got to go to sleep so you can get up and rear these children. Yeah, I do. I have to get up early. I have to, I have to be to school at 7:10. You got this, Mr. Bo. First name Jim, last name Bo. <laughs> All right, good, good night, night. Mr. Bo. Every day I'm hoistling Drew out. Every day we hoistling Jimbo out. Every day I'm hoistling Mo out. <laughs>